Hi, I'm Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing that I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 55. Hello, my beautiful friends. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm Avanti, and this is the Healing Catalyst podcast, where we talk about Ayurveda, integrative medicine, and integrated practices to help you live a healthy, modern life. I'm so happy that you're here with me. These past few weeks have been a whirlwind with so many podcast interviews with incredible guests, a few really big projects that I can't wait to tell you about in July, but I can't yet and some personal intentions I had set at the new year that have already manifested. I'm still working out the details on a few things, so I'll share soon. I also want to remind you all that if you love what you're hearing on this podcast, please leave us a five-star review with a few words about how this show has helped you. And if you do, take a screenshot of your review and DM it to me on Instagram. I'll send you a signed copy of my book, The Health Catalyst, now in its second edition, with a new cover and a new forward from me. You know, reviews are the most important thing that helps more people find this show. So please take just 30 seconds to leave a review. It really, really helps. There's a link in the show notes to make it really easy for you. Okay, so today we continue our exploration of healing with integrative medicine, specifically spice medicine, with another incredible guest, Dr. Kunchen Koya. Dr. Koya has a PhD in molecular biology from Harvard Medical School, which she combines with her training from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition to elevate the health of families with science and flavor. Kunchen, who many of you may know as Chief Spice Mama on Instagram, her IG is amazing, is also the founder of Spice Spice Baby, which brings to light the science-based benefits of ancient spices and inspires their use in kids' and families' foods in simple and delicious ways. On today's episode, Kunchen shares the aha moment that she had while doing research in her lab at Harvard and her journey into the world of spices. We also talk about the history of spices, the bioactive ingredients in spices, and she also dives into the five beginner spices she recommends, along with the health benefits and how to use them. At the end of the episode, she shares her three tips for getting more comfortable with using spices as medicine to support health. Kunchen and I actually met each other in person in New York just a week before we recorded this episode, and we hit it off instantly. What was supposed to be, you know, a glass of wine and maybe an hour turned into a four hour dinner with so much talking and sharing and a feeling of deep connection between us, given our South Asian roots and the work we're both doing in the world. I'm so excited to bring you this conversation with Dr. Kunchen Koya about healing with spice medicine. Kunchen, it is so great to have you on my podcast. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I'm super excited. I know you have a busy day today because it's a launch day for you of your new YouTube channel, which we'll get to, but thank you for being here. I appreciate it. 
Oh, Avanti, thank you so much for having me. Um, I know we only met a week ago and I feel like I've known you forever and it's really an honor. I'm so excited to chat. Yeah, I know. It was so much fun, actually, for the listeners. I was in New York last week, and so I met up with Kunch, and we've been communicating over Instagram, which you know I think so many of us have been doing the past two years, reaching out to each other, talking to each other you know, over DM. And then it was just so lovely to meet you in person, give you a big hug, sit and talk with you, have a glass of wine. It's just fun. So yeah, I know. I feel like we've known each other forever as well. So let's just dive in. You know, I obviously knows a lot about your story. We've talked and I've read a lot about you, but it's really interesting. You have a PhD in molecular biology from Harvard, which is so incredibly impressive and no small thing. I mean, that's a tough subject. And now you are regularly featured on BuzzFeed's super popular Tasty Network, you know, where you teach all about spice medicine and how to use spices in your everyday cooking and the medicinal and health benefits. Like, how did that happen? Going from <laughs> molecular biology, having a doctorate, and now doing the work that you're doing, which is incredible too. So tell us about that. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much, you know, for framing it that way. Um, I feel like I'm always reminded of that statement that Steve Jobs made at the famous graduation speech where he said, you know, the dots connect in hindsight. I really feel like that is so true of my life. Um, so where to begin? I, you know, grew up in India. Um, I spent the first 18 years there. And I developed an interest in biology and specifically molecular biology at a very young age. In eighth grade, I specifically remember my teacher was amazing and she was talking about DNA helix structure. And I was just so blown away by the fact that these molecules in our cells contribute to kind of traits that we have and who we become and how we behave and also diseases that we may or may not get. Um, and I was like, okay, I kind of want to study this definitely want to pursue this. And, you know, I just took one step after the next um, with this vision in mind that I never really articulated to anyone, but was quite sort of uh, robust in my heart, in my gut, and found my way one step at a time to Harvard Medical School doing my PhD in molecular biology. So all that made a lot of sense. Um, I don't really know if food fit in. I definitely was a huge foodie. I love to eat. And, you know, growing up in India, as maybe like your family is also of Indian origin, I mean, food is a big part of every family's sort of, I don't know, DNA. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, we talk about food, we obsess about food, we discuss what we're going to eat at the next meal before we finish the previous meal. <laughs> and we also have this incredible complexity um, of tools in our kitchen predominantly our spice box. So I grew up with all that. You know, I grew up with the ancient wisdom of Ayurveda. My grandmother would make me haldi dud. We talked about this last week over mm -hmm. champagne. Mm -hmm. The fact that the haldi dud we grew up um, enjoying in India made by our grandmothers and aunties <laughs> was very different very. from the haldi dud that you get now, the golden milk lattes at all the fancy cafes. But I grew up with this ancient wisdom. I don't know that I connected the dots yet in my head about sort of molecular biology and science and food and health, but all these things were of interest to me in parallel. And then when I was at my lab at Harvard Medical School studying cancer biology, um, my lab began to do a screen looking at the effects of certain molecular compounds on cancer cells. And one of the compounds in the screen that I was involved with, 
involved with was curcumin, which is the bioactive compound in turmeric. And I have to say, I vividly remember that moment because I was like, wait, what? Turmeric? Like my entire family reveres turmeric and thinks it's this cure-all for everything. Right. You know, you have a burn wound, you put turmeric on it. You have a sore throat, you gargle with turmeric and sea salt, you drink golden milk, you, you eat it often. Like it's considered this panacea when it comes to Ayurveda. And I only learned later on that Ayurveda actually has a term for it called Jayanti, which means that which can cure everything. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, here I am fast forward to you know, one of the world's most renowned research institutions, and we're studying turmeric in the screen, like what is happening right now? (laughs) It's amazing, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was really a full circle moment. I had rolled my eyes at a lot of the ancient wisdom as a kid in India. It was too close to home. I took it for granted. And here I was suddenly being like, okay, there might be something to all this intuitive knowledge that our ancestors had around these incredible natural ingredients. Right. It was a planting of the seed moment for me. I dabbled in some biotech pharma stuff after graduating from my PhD. And then I had another very vivid moment that I remember where I asked myself, what would I want to do if no one cared what I did with my resume, my degree? What does my heart really want to do? What does my soul really want to do? And it was clear to me that it had to be something at the intersection of my foodie obsessions and my science obsession and my health obsession. And so I put it all together, started the blog Spice Spice Baby in 2014, thinking it was going to be a passion project. Right. And it just evolved and grew from there into what is now, you know, this platform, this educational movement, like you said, spice science kind of focused. And it's uh, every day is a little bit of a pinch me moment that I actually get to do this um, and call it work. So I'm so grateful. Yeah, no, I love that. Thank you for sharing that, you know, and so many of the things that you were saying are, you know, really resonate with me because, you know, I too sort of rolled my eyes and kind of just went along with whatever I grew up with. It was just the way we did things. We ate dal chawal, which is dal and rice and sabzi, which is a vegetable mix. And it had all those spices, haldi and mirchi and zira and which is cumin, all these different spices that were always put into our food. And we kind of just, I did, I took it for granted. I was like, oh, that's just the way we cook Indian food. And it was sort of the same thing of having these aha moments in my training in medicine of, you know, reading studies and research about the newest data on a different spice or on yoga or meditation and thinking, oh my God, these are things my family have, they've been doing this for generations. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a nice practice. It makes my grandfather really chill and very wise. And, you know, but I didn't understand, I didn't connect the dots until much later. And I'm seeing the science and the data and I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally missed the boat on this. Like I didn't understand it before and now I do. So I really resonate with that sort of journey that you had of those aha moments of the light bulbs going off of, wow, okay, you know? Yeah, totally. And I think it's uh, the case for so many people and so many life trajectories where it's kind of like you follow your intuition, your gut, your heart, and those aha moments reveal themselves, you know, yeah. and sometimes they don't. And sometimes you're lost and in a dark place and have no idea what you're doing. Exactly. So I've experienced all of those phases, but ultimately it's that makes a nice story in hindsight, you know, but yeah. I would say the, the, the overarching theme was I definitely 
um, found the courage, even when I couldn't, to follow my heart and my gut. And has that has never led me astray. Yeah, that's amazing. It's very inspirational to to sort of say in hindsight of how all the dots connect of all these life experiences. And if you're willing to be open, they will connect in some way. These are skills that we pick up, you know, sort of like what I talk to my children who are not children, they're adult children, you know, 24 <laughs> and 20 about, you know, you're collecting skills and don't ever think that working in an office filing papers isn't a valuable skill that will somehow come into play later in life in the most strange way that you never expected. I know that's a very simple example, but it's sort of the same thing, right? Totally. Yeah. So, okay, let's turn to spices because that is really your zone of genius and your specialty of really, really bringing together sort of the data and the research on the spices and then actually how do we use them in real life? But let's start with the history of spices because it's very interesting and how they've been this thing that is very revered throughout history. So let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I always tell people when you walk down your grocery store spice aisle and you see your typical like paprika, turmeric, now pretty much you see like every spice or spice blend, you know, especially at a store like Whole Foods, even Trader Joe's, you might literally think nothing of it and think it's no big deal. But if you go back thousands of years ago, spices literally shaped humanity's kind of geography and history in really profound ways. They were prized commodity crops. The quest for their kind of control and distribution literally led to wars. Um, you know, Christopher Columbus was supposedly looking for spices when he accidentally stumbled upon the shores of America. I mean, obviously that's a whole complicated, you know, history, but even um, the colonizers who stumbled upon the coast of India were looking for spices. And there is this story that apparently they leapt off the ship on the coast of Kerala and said, you know, um, for Christ and spices or something like that. Mm -hmm. So these crops were revered by people who understood their value. So they were used back in the day for so many different reasons. They were used as medicine, but they were also used in food preservation because refrigeration wasn't really a thing. So adding spices to especially like foods that tend to spoil easily was a way to prolong their shelf life. They were also incredible. They are incredibly tricky to grow. Um, harvesting cardamom, for example, which is probably one of my favorite spices, is um, backbreaking work. So it's, you know, the commoditization of them and the free availability of them is a modern phenomenon. So for centuries, our ancestors actually really had to work hard to find them and then even harder to monopolize their trade. So I think that's just a perspective that many of us aren't familiar with. And it kind of sets the context for why these are so special. And then if you look at, you know, ancient medical systems, of course, you know, better than anyone else, Ayurveda has revered spices and herbs for centuries mm -hmm. as medicine. And I think what makes spices really unique compared to other functional foods found in nature, we know Pretty much everything that we get from nature has some incredible health benefit on our bodies. You can find, you know, something positive as long as it's a whole food from nature. Spices, I think, are unique in that they're very concentrated sources of these beneficial compounds. Now we have terminology for it. You know, back then in Ayurveda, that was Jayanti. Now we know it's polyphenols and phytochemicals or bioflavanols or whatever chemistry speak you want to put around 
basically these plant-based compounds that seem to be very concentrated in spices. And what is very exciting to me is when I first started this work and started diving into the literature and the research, yes, I found lots of interesting data on spices and their benefits, different compounds they have, their antioxidant properties, or their ability to fight inflammation. But a lot of these studies were focused on kind of test tube models. So it would be isolating compounds from spices or using large amounts of spice in a test tube setting. And you had to wonder how relevant is this in the context of the whole human body. So I was always very cautious about interpreting the modern science around spice benefits, But I have to say the last couple of years have shown some really cool studies in humans, randomized controlled spice studies in humans, which we've never really had. Right. And I can talk about why I think that is, you know, I think it's an understudied class of plant compounds, probably because there isn't a ton of incentive to study something that you can't really patent. Right. So it's like, how much money do you want to spend writing a grant on studying the health benefits of paprika, which you could never really turn into a drug per se. Right. So I think some of the incentives may not be aligned for there to be like really high quality spice research, but mm-hmm. there are labs that are interested in the basic science of spices. And we've had a couple of studies in the last just year or two that are now showing that spices in culinary amounts in the human body can have real positive effects on health. And that just gets me so excited and so fired up because yeah. I'm like, I knew it at an intuitive right. level. We had this body of evidence that was kind of all over the place. And now we're starting to see it come together in human trials, which I think is so cool and empowering and amazing. Yeah, no, it's, it is incredible. And I think that's a good point that you bring up is that so many of the studies are done on, you know, in test tubes at very high doses. Like, is that really what we're eating on a, on a regular basis in culinary medicine, like when we're using it in food, probably not. But I think exactly, you know, the studies that have been coming out in the past couple of years show how using these spices in culinary doses, if you will, right, is actually very beneficial, which again, we've known throughout centuries, you know, thousands of years in Ayurveda that that's true. We may not have had the data and the science behind it, but we knew it. So Let's turn to that. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned a lot of chemistry and sort of the technical terms for some of the components of spices. What would you say are a few that maybe the listeners should pay attention to, whether it's polyphenols or whatever ingredients that maybe should sort of say, oh yeah, I I need to think about that when I'm choosing spices or thinking about my health. Yeah. So all spices contain these powerful chemicals. You know, they may be polyphenols, flavanols, there's slight differences in their chemical structure, which leads to different nomenclature, but the semantics are kind of irrelevant. It's just chemicals in the spices that have effects in our cells. It's almost like if you think about them as like a chemistry toolkit that you can, you know, you can enjoy in for flavor, but also has health effects at a cellular molecular level. I think that's a really kind of simple way to think about it. You know, some really good examples, and I'm sure some listeners will be familiar with curcumin and turmeric. So that's the one that's got most of the buzz and attention in research because it is a very powerful compound. In test tube settings, it seems even in animal models, in some human studies. So so turmeric and all spices probably have an array of compounds. So when people talk about curcumin and turmeric, 
I just want to mention that because there are probably other bioactive compounds in turmeric not as yet identified. Um, and we know that the whole turmeric spice has benefits beyond just the curcumin component. Those kinds of studies have been done. And I think that's a nice reminder that yes. while we do break down these spices into these components, ultimately what makes them really potent is the entire spice. Just like you know, eating one molecule from a leafy green vegetable versus eating the entire leafy green vegetable. Yeah. And I think you're bringing up a really good point. I know we talked about this last week when we met, which is why I asked you that question kind of leading, but the point is, is that you were making even last week is that, you know, we get very hyper-focused on the specific chemical or bioactive ingredient because we can test it in Mm -hmm. Western medicine. And that's fine. But then what happens is that we start seeing these packaged supplements of just curcumin or, you know, whatever, whatever ingredient it is. And people get become obsessed with having that ingredient. And they miss the point of what you're saying is that in turmeric itself, there are so many compounds that are working together. And that even though we've identified one specific active ingredient as sort of the one that is having this anti-inflammatory effect, let's say, that doesn't mean that everything else in there isn't also creating a more powerful anti-inflammatory effect. And so I sort of want to click into that point, which is don't get so focused on the individual bioactive ingredient in a plant food or a whole food or a spice that you miss the point of eating the full molecule, you know, the whole thing together. Absolutely, like right on, spot on. And I think it just, you know, brings up a point, like a broader cultural point, which is we do live in a world and a society where we feel the need for these kind of magic bullet solutions to all our problems. Mm -hmm. And even spices, like I always tell people, spices will have benefits in the context of an overall healthful dietary pattern. So if you're basically eating garbage, which I'm sure no one's doing that's listening to this show, but like if you're basically just not paying attention to like honoring and nourishing your body. Um, and, you know, I eat garbage once in a while, so that's mm-hmm. fine. It's like, mm-hmm. what are you doing most of the time, right? Are you honoring your body? Are you really leveraging the power of nature? And then in the context of that overall healthy dietary pattern, spices can become really powerful. But if you're going to basically just do whatever you want and not honor your body and your health and then try to take a curcumin supplement, <laughs> that gets me kind of you know, gets my knickers in a knot. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Um, and I think Ayurveda is very much aligned with that sort of overall lifestyle intention, dietary and lifestyle pattern. But, you know, that said, I will say that some of these bioactives in isolation may have benefits and something, and, and we can talk about, you know, turmeric, for example, it seems like if you are struggling with an actual you know, inflammatory disease and you need some therapeutic assistance, Sure, it may be hard to achieve therapeutic doses of curcumin and the other bioactives by just having turmeric in culinary Mm -hmm. amounts. This is for someone who's already in a disease state. Right. And in that case, there are some interesting data around the benefits of a concentrated curcumin supplement, which you should obviously always check with your doctor, your physician before trying. Right. But from an overall kind of longevity, health, disease prevention standpoint, I will say the whole spice is where the magic lies. Yes. And I I appreciate that you said that. Absolutely. And so, you know, this is not to say that one 
one perspective is better than the other. I just think that this, the, the added perspective of thinking about the whole spice, the whole food, all of the bioactive ingredients, even the ones that we haven't identified yet, there is a lot of medicine in the, the combination of those that we don't even know. So don't dismiss having turmeric at culinary doses in your food and also taking a supplement if you have an advanced disease state can also be beneficial. It's not like, oh, just because I'm taking the concentrated dose for whatever health issue that, oh, I don't need to put it in my food because you may be missing some of the other benefits that come from the whole turmeric spice and also the combination with other spices, right? I mean, you and I grew up in South Asian households, right? So we sort of experience this on a daily basis, this whole idea of putting certain spices together for their flavor, but there's also benefits, the health benefits. And whether we're doing tharka, which is, you know, tempering the spices before we add them to a dish, there's all these benefits of adding that to ghee and the fat and how that delivers the spices to the body more effectively. So there are these practices that have health benefits, even if we don't know what the science is behind them. Absolutely. You read my mind. Exactly what I was going to say next was honoring the whole spice versus just the supplement and then honoring the power of spice combinations and blends. We don't really eat foods in isolation. I mean, most of us don't just eat a potato or a Mm -hmm. carrot. You know, we might eat Mm -hmm. a carrot with some oil and garlic and cumin or whatever version, you know, your household prepares vegetables in or other foods in. And I'm always fascinated by how our ancestors knew to combine certain things. Yes. Was it just happenstance that they combined it, think combined, you know, spices into garam masala that now we know has all these like potent spices that have synergistic effects. Like in biology, we say synergy because literally they are acting in synergy in concert to amplify the beneficial effects right. uh, like an orchestra. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the studies that I was alluding to earlier that are now coming out in humans are all using spice blends. So mm-hmm. I think it's a really important point that you brought up. Yes, these individual spices are great, but when you combine them to enhance flavor, you're also getting these synergistic health benefits. And some of the blends in these studies are quite complex. I mean, they have like 10 spices in them. Right. You know, coriander, cumin, turmeric, cardamom, um, some herbs like dried oregano, rosemary, thyme, ginger. I mean, (laughs) so take your favorite like set of spices, play around, make a blend and you're going to get even more benefits than enjoying just single spices alone. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. It brings up something for me that I get asked a lot from people, you know, when we're talking about food as medicine in the context of Ayurveda, which is what I'm teaching. They'll say, well, I don't want to eat Indian food, right? And I don't know the quote Indian spices. And and I always say, that's not the point. If you go back in your culture, wherever you came from, your family's ancestry, and you look at the spices that were used in the recipes that your great-grandmother used and your grandmother used, right? And maybe your mother is still using, you will see there are spice combinations from every part of the world. It doesn't have to be South Asian spice combinations, right? That is the one that gets focused on when you're talking about yoga and Ayurveda and, and, you know, sort of these exotic sorts of spices that we will focus on. But again, the spice blends of using, you know, oregano with black pepper and garlic, I mean, there are health benefits and that's coming from a different cuisine type. 
So don't think that you have to be eating Indian food or South Asian food or using those spices that are very typical in South Asian cooking to get a benefit. 300%. One of the biggest missions that I undertook when I first launched Spice Spice Baby was to debunk this myth that you have to eat, I don't like the word, but like ethnic or right. you know some sort of ancestral food from India or Mexico or Thailand, like cultures that have enjoyed spices as an integral part of the cuisine. I wanted to teach people in global kitchens who eat a wide variety of food how to spice up their everyday favorites. You can spice up your pancakes and your oatmeal, your popcorn, your lentil soup, your grilled fish, whatever, you know, your sauteed greens. You don't have to eat Indian food or whatever spiced up cuisine every day. In fact, the funny story is I love Indian food and I would eat it three times a day because I grew up there. But my husband, who is basically American, he's half Indian. He's like a mutt. He's like, I can eat Indian food. Maybe twice a week, you know, like the full on dal chaval sabzi is like a little too much for him on an everyday basis because he didn't grow up eating it. And I get right. it. So I'm adding spices to everything I make. I challenge myself to add a spice to literally everything, even if it has nothing to do with Indian cuisine. Yeah, I love this. So let's talk about some of your favorite spices and sort of how you go about doing this, because I know that's what everybody is thinking is like, OK, that's great. <laughs> but now where do I start? So maybe maybe you could tell us maybe five or six of your favorite spices or spice blends, what's in them, maybe some of the health benefits. And then like, how do you use them? You know, I know that's a lot, but let's just run through a couple. Yeah. So I'll share five spices that I routinely recommend to the spice beginner. Okay. Um, having me pick my favorite spices is a whole nother show. That's like too much. Okay. <laughs> like yeah. picking a favorite child, but yeah. um. So yeah, I mean, I have, I picked these five spices because I think they're incredibly versatile. They're easy to use in all kinds of food, not just Indian or whatever cuisine. Um, and they have health benefits. So number one would be turmeric. Um, I think people don't appreciate the versatility as much as they should. It's, it's so gentle on the palate. It doesn't have an overwhelming flavor. You can add it to literally everything sweet or savory. And, you know, it really does have some beautiful science-backed benefits and more and more research emerging around that. So that would be number one. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about how to use it. Maybe once I've listed the five. Yeah, sure. The second, second would be cinnamon. I think everyone's familiar with cinnamon. It's the holiday spice. I always challenge people to think beyond desserts and holiday treats when it comes to cinnamon. A lot of cultures use cinnamon in savory dishes. Try adding it to your lentil or meat bolognese. Try adding it to a lentil soup. You know, um, it's, it's really more versatile than we give it credit for. Important to note with cinnamon is that if you are using it often and in large amounts, you want to try to find the true cinnamon variety, which comes from the island country, Sri Lanka. It's also sometimes called Ceylon cinnamon because Sri Lanka is called Ceylon. Mm -hmm. And the reason you want to do that is because regular cinnamon or the cassia variety does have a compound called coumarin, which at high enough doses can cause some liver toxicity. So it's not a big deal if you're eating cinnamon once in a while, but if you're somebody that's like routinely putting like half a teaspoon in your smoothie or your oatmeal, it's worth going out of your way to just go online and find true or sell on cinnamon. 
Um, So that's number two. Number three would be anything in the chili pepper family. And I know people kind of recoil at this a little bit because one of the biggest misconceptions is that spices are spicy and I don't like spicy food. So how do I eat spices and enjoy their benefits? And that's why I bring up the pepper family because there's a whole array of spices in the chili pepper family, some of which aren't spicy at all. Case in point is paprika, right? Mm -hmm. So paprika comes from the bell pepper, which is the sweet pepper. You can get sweet paprika. Sometimes it's smoked to get smoked paprika. So that would be a way to enjoy some of the benefits of the chili pepper family without the heat. And then if you're like me, you can get the like hot peppers, you know, whether it's the cayenne or the red chili pepper, the Kashmiri red chili is beautiful. It's really vibrant red and it's actually not that spicy. Like you could, that's a whole world to explore, but at least starting with paprika is a nice way to get some of that capsaicin, which is the active compound in the chili pepper family. And there's a cousin in paprika, not really called capsaicin, um, which has some really beautiful anti-inflammatory benefits and has been shown to interact favorably with the gut microbiome. So third was chili. Fourth would be cardamom. Um, I just think, you know, as a child growing up in India, I would pretty much regularly accidentally bite into a whole cardamom pod in some rice dish or curry that my aunts or my mom made. And I would be like, oh my gosh, what is that? It's intense. Like if you've ever bitten into the whole pod and had the seeds burst in your mouth. um, I learned that they use cardamom in like chewing gum, like Wrigley's or whatever gum, I don't, you know, whatever trident. It's a breath freshener. It used to be used in Ayurveda as a breath freshener. So it has antibacterial properties. It's great for digestion. They say just the scent of it alone can calm nausea. So sometimes, you know, people will message me saying, how do I deal with morning sickness? I'm pregnant. I'm like, try making some cardamom tea and just the scent alone might help. I mean, there's no downside, you know, even if it doesn't work. Right, absolutely. (laughs) And the nicest thing about cardamom, I think, is that you can add it to sweet and savory dishes. And when you add it to sweet dishes, in my opinion, it reduces the need for additional sugar because it has almost like a dessert-like luxurious floral quality to it. So I throw it into my kids' pancakes, banana bread, muffins, and then I cut back on you know the processed refined sugars. Right. Um, and then number five would be a spice that I didn't grow up with. That would be the only spice I would add to the Indian spice box, which is sumac. Ooh, so it comes from the yeah it's oh my gosh i'm obsessed with it i eat it straight out of the jar it comes from the middle east it grows on a bush it's a vibrant kind of burgundy purple and whenever you see that color in nature you know you're encountering these powerful antioxidants like right. anthocyanins um it's the best way to think about sumac is like lemon without the kind of liquid. And so it's like lemony, tangy, but it also has these fruity, almost wine-like notes. And I like to think of it as a finishing spice. So you can put it on every single salad you ever make going forward to add color, taste, more antioxidants. Um, I love putting it on my hummus or baba ganoush, mm-hmm. you know, on flatbread. I mean, it's an integral spite in the za'atar blend, which is prominent yes. in the Middle East. So those would be my five kind of starter spices for a global home cook. Wow. I've never even thought about sumac. I think I've used it maybe once or twice, but I never thought about using it in a more versatile way and and like on a daily basis, never thought about it. So I'm definitely taking note of that. Okay. So you told us those five spices. Now, how do you use them? You know, sort of like maybe we could go through what things could you be adding turmeric and it could be something really 
every day, but maybe something interesting too. Like what are some different ways to use some of these spices? Yeah. So I think the first thing to note is how you cook with the spices does seem to matter. And a great place to turn is our ancestors. So the fact that when we use turmeric in Indian cooking or they use it in Vietnamese food or whatever, it is usually coupled to a fat source like ghee or oil. And it turns out that when you bloom the spice, you know, um, in a, in a fat source, with some heat, you actually activate some of these bioactive compounds. Mm-hmm. Curcumin becomes more bioavailable when it's heated in a fat source. So that's one really important point. My favorite way to add almost all the spices I mentioned, sumac, I think might be an exception where I use it more as a finishing spice. Although you can also cook with it or add it to marinades is to, you know, have your oil, whatever your favorite fat source, oil or ghee. And then you would add, say, you know, a little bit of cumin seed, a little garlic. That's the tarka that you mentioned, the tempering, but mm-hmm. you don't have to do Indian food, right? So a simple example would be oil with some cumin seeds, a little bit of garlic, and then you would add your turmeric and say, you know, your kale or your Swiss chard. And you saute that with a little salt, lemon, black pepper, So whenever you're using turmeric, you want to combine it with black pepper because that also boosts the bioavailability of the curcumin. And um, there you have like, you know, turmeric sauteed Swiss chard. So really simple. You don't have to get like overly complicated, but adding it to a fat source, I think is important and giving it some heat is important. And this is probably true for many spices, um, especially true for turmeric. So let's see, for turmeric, I like to add it to any sauteed vegetable because I find it's just very, very mild and easy to kind of integrate. Doesn't have to be an Indian vegetable or Indian preparation. Um, I love adding it to oatmeal to make like a golden milk oatmeal. You can go, you can go as intense as you want, or you can go, you know, more like mellow golden milk latte version. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I like adding it to popcorn and let's see, what would be a fourth example? Rice or quinoa? How many people do you know that just kind of make boring quinoa and are like, oh, you know, I wish quinoa was more interesting. A little bit of garlic, oil, turmeric, and lemon juice. Like wow. next level quinoa, super simple. Amazing. Um, cinnamon, again, like I said, savory and sweet. So, you know, adding it to like your favorite chili, your bean chili, your lentil or your meat bolognese. Um, I like adding it to like a Moroccan lentil soup. I sometimes will just do oven roasted sweet potato fries with avocado oil, salt and cinnamon. And my kids just love it. So super simple. Wow. Um, and turmeric is the same. You know, you're throwing some veggies in the oven, just yeah. like roasting them at 375 with a little bit of avocado oil, turmeric, super easy. Mm-hmm. I've never really thought about cinnamon as something to put into savory, right? I, I have mm-hmm. always associated with, and I'm, I'm sure many of the people listening associate, like you said, cinnamon, cinnamon as a holiday spice or a breakfast spice, you know, for yeah. more sweet dishes. So that's a really interesting way to use it and savory dishes and have to try Yes. That. So um, think about it. Cinnamon is an integral part of garam masala, mm-hmm. which is our iconic Indian blend. And we use garam masala in a lot of in, in savory sure. dishes. So, and then cinnamon is really cool because it has cinnamaldehyde, which is one of the bioactives. And there are interesting studies looking at its ability to balance blood sugar. Yes. We know that most people are running around with probably elevated blood sugar, even if they're not diabetic. And these constant blood sugar spikes can really be problematic. There are studies looking at the addition of cinnamon to oatmeal, which seems to cause less of a blood sugar spike than oatmeal on its own. So 
anytime you're eating something that you know is likely going to cause a blood sugar spike, I just throw cinnamon on. Yeah, no, that's if a I'm great idea. If I'm treating myself to vanilla ice cream, I will put a boatload of cinnamon in there. <laughs> no, that's a that's a really good idea. I mean, you know, so that that brings up a really good point. Again, no food should be off limits, right? I mean, if you if you have some health channel challenges, you may be, you know, trying to limit certain things or, you know, in Ayurveda, depending on what your imbalance is. But I think what you're pointing out is that you can use these spices quite literally as medicines to counteract some of those effects that might cause a blood sugar spike or cause an inflammatory sort of response. You can decrease the inflammation by adding anti-inflammatory spice such as turmeric. I think that's a really great point. Yes. And that's exactly what they did in the study that I mentioned, where they basically gave people this junky standard American meal. It was like high saturated fat, high refined carbohydrate, basically like a burger or something. Mm -hmm. And then they added a tablespoon of the spice blend to the meal and they found actual measurable reductions in markers of inflammation once they added the spice right off to the meal. Mm-hmm. So yes, the, the point around spice medicine is a wonderful one. And I, you know, people say, how do I get there? You start by using these spices on a regular basis. You become playful and adventurous with them in your kitchen. And then as you learn more about their benefits, you start to think about ways to use them as culinary medicine. So yes, absolutely. I don't eat vanilla ice cream every day or very often, but when I do, I enjoy it guilt-free and I put a lot of cinnamon on and then I go for a walk because I know that those are going to help my body handle that onslaught of sugar in a more responsible way. Yes. That's beautiful. I love that advice. Okay. So let's move on to the pepper family. I think that was the next yes. one. So paprika is probably the most versatile. I mean, literally, I can't think of anything you wouldn't put it in that savory. So mm-hmm. if I'm making, um, you know, again, paprika does do well blooming in the fat source. So I've used, I use it a lot on grilled salmon. My kids love salmon. So we'll do it on salmon. If I'm doing again, like a chickpea stew, I'll do paprika and turmeric, you know, combining these spices that aren't right. Like we don't really have paprika in Indian food, but I think it's, it's, really easy to throw into a lot of things for those anti-inflammatory, anti-oxidant benefits. Um, Cardamom. Yes. Cardamom goes into everything sweet, like I said. So in my oatmeal, chai. Okay. We didn't talk about chai. Mm -hmm. I did not say chai tea because no one should say chai tea. No, that's saying (laughs) tea tea. Or ghee, yes. but, or ghee butter, right? Butter, yeah, that's butter. the one that just came out. I know yeah. I saw. So cool. yes, um, a simple spiced chai where you simmer some smashed cardamom pods with a cinnamon stick and, um, you know, a couple black peppercorns, some cloves, uh, a little ginger. Oh my gosh. And then add your black tea leaves, your milk of choice. If you want to be extra, some rose petals. <laughs> and it's like the best thing ever and has so many incredible benefits. When I started to look into the ingredients of chai, actually in my cookbook, I call it the antimicrobial spiced chai, which I know sounds like very sciencey and dry, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, you throw star anise in there. There's some like antiviral properties. Like it's really cool. So both cardamom and cinnamon, I definitely would add to chai. Can I ask you about cardamom and how to use it? Because it's in a pod, but then you can get the seeds. So like, How do you know the difference? And one thing, will you share that chai recipe with us? Can I get that from you? Okay, I will make sure. I'll make sure I put it in the show notes and link it. Okay, so back to the the cardamom. How do you figure out what to use? Like, 
you know, our mothers would use the leaves sometimes. Sometimes they put the whole pot in. Sometimes they only put the the seeds. Like, how do you figure out what to do? So when you buy cardamom, you can either get it as the whole green pods or you'll get it ground. Mm -hmm. I like to buy the pods, gently smash them open. When you smash open the green pod, it reveals the oily black seeds inside. That's really where a lot of the beneficial compounds are. The, The pod skin has benefits too. If you're using the whole pod, you would gently smash it to expose the seeds and then add it to your oil, add it to your rice, add it to your quinoa, add it to your chai, throw it in there. Make sure you smash the pod open though. Okay. And then if you're adding it to something like um, oatmeal where you want more flavor, you can buy the pre-ground cardamom or you can, you know, open up the pot. You can basically grind it at home. So you would just put it in a little spice grinder or coffee grinder dedicated to spices. And that would be more of a powdered form. And that's easier to sprinkle um, into like, it's like, say you're making nice cream, which is like, you know, freeze your bananas and then just churn them in a blender, add a little pinch of ground cardamom. So Mm -hmm. So good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I wanted to make sure the listeners understand how to use it and the idea of smashing because that's what our moms do. So I just wanted to ask you about that. And any listeners who have young kids, uh, one of my kids' favorite activities was to supervise, of course, (laughs) give them a little spice mortar and pestle and let them like smash the cardamom pods and then take the seeds out and separate them. And my daughter, when she was three, would do that for hours. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Love it. Love it. Okay. So, and then sumac was the last one that you were going to tell yeah. us about. So sumac, I think, you know, in traditional Middle Eastern cuisine is often used as a finisher spice, whether it's part of za'atar, which is sprinkled onto flatbread or different salads or, um, and then it's often you'll see, you know, it's that purplish powder that you see on like your hummus or your baba ganoush. Right. And I think the reason they use it as a finishing spice is because it has these antioxidants and some of these antioxidants actually get not destroyed, but they lose some of their potency with heat. And so I think this brings up this kind of nuance point. Like we talked about how spices should be heated because that activates some of the polyphenols like curcumin, but then there might be other antioxidants that actually lose some potency with heat. Mm -hmm. And this again, takes me back to my mom and my grandma. If you've, if you come from a South Asian household, you'll see we use spices at different points in the dish. Yes. So we'll bloom the spice. Say we're doing cumin, coriander, chili, the typical trifecta, you know, going mm-hmm. into some sort of like dal or lentil or vegetable dish. And you'll often see the chef or your mom sprinkling at the end of the food, fresh cilantro with a little bit cumin powder and chili powder. They're like layering the dish. Yes. It adds a lot of like cool flavor complexity, but I think it's also a great way to make sure that you're getting yes. all the benefits of the spice, some of which may be destroyed by cooking, some of which may be activated yeah. by cooking, by using it in different forms. Right. No. And that's a great point because, you know, we will use the same spices, the coriander, cumin, and um, pepper and even turmeric and bloom it in the oil, cook the vegetables. And then like you were saying, finish with those same, many of those same spices on the top. Yes. Which is a great point. So it's almost like you can, you can double up, you know, in that way, right. For the different effects. Yes. So sumac, I would use as a finishing spice, but I have used it in the past, like sprinkled on salmon baked at 350. Um, You know, if you're doing tofu steaks, anytime Mm -hmm. you want to add just think of it like anytime you would add lime or lemon juice to brighten up a dish, you can use sumac. Okay. Amazing. 
Have you ever used it for something sweet? No, but I can imagine it being really nice, like on key lime pie or something, mm. somewhere where you want to enhance the already present kind of citrus notes. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. That's amazing. Okay. So one other question for you. So you kind of alluded to this already, but if you had maybe two or three tips to give, you know, our listeners as to how they could start using spices, what would you say to them? Yes. So the number one tip I would give listeners is you're already using one spice every single day. And that's black pepper. Black Mm -hmm. pepper is a spice. We put it on everything. Many people will just do salt and pepper before they've even tried their food because they Mm -hmm. feel like they want to add a little bit of extra flavor. So start thinking about all spices the way you do about pepper, Mm -hmm. about routine use, about um, you know, challenging yourself to add them to your everyday favorites. So my first tip is use spices routinely and don't try to cook a completely different kind of cuisine. Take the cuisine you already enjoy, the foods that are already your favorites and f- think about creative ways of spicing them up with even these five start- starter spices. Sure. Um, the second is don't relegate the spice to the back of your spice cupboard or your pantry. I think when you can see something, you're going to use it more often. Mm -hmm. So the same place where you keep your most common flavor enhancers or condiments is where the spices should be. Ideally, spices should be stored away from heat and light and airtight containers to preserve them longer, Mm -hmm. but have them somewhere close by. So you're like, oh, just the way like a painter would think about his or her collection of paints and brushes. Spices should be part of your kind of paintbrush collection for cooking. Yes. And they shouldn't be just used in that one Autolenghi recipe. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like the spice boxes or the spice dubba that our mothers use. You know, they have those exactly. five or six spices in this, you know, metal dubba with little uh, bowls inside it and little spoons that sits close to where they're cooking. And those are added to lots of dishes for that reason. It's sort of the same exactly. thing. And then the third tip is, you know, if you're unsure, add less and build up. You can always, it's like makeup. You can like build up throughout the cooking process. So you could start by adding what you think is a little bit of cumin or coriander. You can taste your dish and be like, oh, I think it could use a little bit more complexity and then add some more, add some as a finishing spice. So don't feel limited by rules. I think when it comes to spices, there really are no rules. I mean, mm-hmm. as we've discussed, like adding sumac to key lime pie. I mean, that right. sounds weird, but it would probably be delicious. Yeah. So it's really hard. Like, I, I just like, you know, break the rules, get adventurous, get creative. The worst case, your dish is not, I mean, it's, it's unlikely that you're going to completely ruin a dish with a spice, but you may learn something about how you want to cook it the next time. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are great tips. Very, very helpful. Okay. So I have one last question for you. What do you think the future is for spice medicine? You know, you're in this field, you're one of the leading voices. You have a lot of influence being connected to Buzzfeed and the work that you're doing is just amazing. I love your videos and all of you who are listening, you should follow Kunchen on Instagram and her new YouTube channel. We'll link everything in the show notes because she just has such beautiful ways of explaining these different spices and how to use them. Her videos are adorable. They're funny and they're really, really good. And I always learn something from you, but where do you think this is going? Yeah. I mean, I would love for us as a culture to be able to tap into 
that intuition and wisdom that our grandmothers, our great grandmothers, our you know ancestors had about how to leverage the power of nature and food as medicine daily in our lives, in our kitchen. So instead of waiting until something goes wrong, waiting to be ill, waiting for a disease state, mm. recognize the power of not just spices, but like spices I see as this kind of gateway into the world of food as medicine because they are so potent and we have interesting research around them. But leveraging the power of nature and food as medicine daily and just having that confidence mm -hmm. in your kitchen that, yeah, you can do this, you can add it, you can, it can be fun, creative, tasty, and so health enhancing and healing. And um, like trusting your own expertise as a home cook. You know, I would love for every home cook to be just adding these ingredients, you know, regularly, joyfully, intelligently, intuitively on a daily basis. And I think I really do feel like if we did that, um, we would have less of a disease burden as a society. And that would be so amazing. Yeah, no, I love that. And that makes me so hopeful because, you know, that's part of the work that I'm doing too, is really helping people learn how to take their health back into their own hands. So that's exactly mm -hmm. what you're speaking to is that these small things that we can do cooking every day with a new spice or a different spice, getting creative. We're taking our health back into our own hands, using these, these things that come from nature that are so powerful and so healing. And so this feels like a really good place for us to end our time together. Although I'd love to keep talking to you and I could talk to you for hours. You know, if I offer up the phrase to catalyze healing, what comes up for you? Get reconnected with nature and each other. I think we're, you know, remind, I'm reminded of like the redwood trees and their lateral roots and how they are, mm. they're so interconnected and whether we realize it or not, you know, energetically we're like Einstein that like it's vibration, it's quantum physics, we're interconnected anyway. And I think we've kind of like put ourselves into these isolated boxes and like we're stressed out and we're like on social media. I mean, that's all, that's me. I'm not passing judgment on anyone else. Mm -hmm. But I think like reconnecting with each other in a deep way, not just on our devices and with nature, putting our feet on the ground, you know, finding solace and strength and groundedness by sitting in nature, taking a walk in nature. I feel like it's like we have to go back to these practices that are really who we are and we've kind of lost sight of them. Mm -hmm. And I really do feel like they will be more powerful than we realize. Beautiful. Kanjan, thank you so much for doing this with me. I have so enjoyed talking to you. Thank you, Avanti. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks again for listening to The Healing Catalyst. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass it along to a friend. And if you're feeling really inspired, please rate and review so that others can find this podcast more easily. To learn more, head to avantikumarsingh.com. And to connect with me directly, Find me on Instagram at Avanti Kumar Singh. I'll be back next week and hope that you will be too. Until then, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.